What's happening, people? Today's guest is doctor and chef, Nof Atmana Ismail. She first made headlines in 2014 when she became the first Arab contestant to win MasterChef Israel. This, of course, she achieved after already becoming a micro-marine biologist. She founded the Asham Arab Food Festival in Haifa that pairs Arab and Jewish chefs to recreate lost dishes from the past. You can find her as a host or at the center of a number of cooking shows and documentaries. This lady's an ultra badass, guys. I mean, she had the choice of giving in to fear and not pursuing her dreams. So what we get in today is why you should always trust your intuition if you want to achieve big things, how to instantly become a better cook, and of course, the tensions surrounding the conflict in the Middle East. Enjoy the podcast. The way will, John. Dr. Nof Atamne, thank you for being here. How are you? Thank you for inviting me. I'm feeling great. Thank you. That's good. Um, so why don't you, why don't you tell us how a micro marine biologist goes on to then win MasterChef and also do everything that you're doing now? How do we get here? Wow. So I need to start very early in life. Is that okay? Do you have time? <laughs> yeah, we have, we have time to figure out how, how you did this. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, I think since I can remember myself when I was a little girl, I used to be with my grandmothers because my mom, she was a career woman. She, so most of my time was hanging out with my grandmothers who, you know, grandmothers, they express their love, you know, by hugging you, kissing you and feeding you. It's very simple. And um I saw how much love they put into food and how much food is important for them and how much giving is, is in this um, process of making food that I, I really fell in love with it. And I knew from a very small age that this is what I want to do when I, when I grow old. And, um, and I was a very good student in school. So when I, you know, finished high school and I had this talk with my parents about what I'm planning to do or to be. And, uh, uh, well, I come from a family where my father, he, he was a um, respiratory system doctor and my mom, she was a school principal. So for them, me coming and saying that I want to become a chef was actually... I think one of the biggest disasters that happened to them in life, because, <laughs> because to tell you the truth, they were expecting that their daughter, she's going to be, you know, she's going to go in school to university. So uh, they said to me, uh, well, your grades are very high and it would be such a shame that you would go and do something else like cooking. So maybe you should do your first degree and then decide if you want to become a chef or not. So we comprom I compromised we, and we decided that I'm going to do my first degree and then we'll see what happens from there. And then when I finished my first degree in biology in Tel Aviv University, um, I got a scholarship for a master's uh, degree. And then I said, but I want to become a chef. And they said, well, you got a scholarship. You know, it would be such a shame. <laughs> so maybe you can just do your master's and then you can, you know, go and pursue your dream of becoming a chef. So I said, well, fine, you know, master's degree is not that long. I will do it. And then 
I will become a chef. So when I finished my master's degree, guess what? <clears throat> I got a scholarship for a PhD. So they said, well, you know, it's, it's your show. <laughs> Your parents are brilliant. Your parents are brilliant. The long game. They are patient. This is super smart. <laughs> Taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, well, PhD, it's only four years. And then, you know, what is four years in a lifetime? And you should do that. And so I went and I did uh, my PhD. And to make a long story short, because... I did then one postdoc after another. So when I reached my fourth postdoc, I was uh, coming back home from, uh, you know, my work in the lab and uh, my husband, uh, it was very late in the evening and he was watching MasterChef. And I went immediately to the kitchen because it was my place to relax, you know, after a very long day, some people like to, I don't know, chill on the couch. <laughs> I like to cook. So I went into the kitchen and I can see him uh, like watching TV and he goes like, ah, look at these people. You can do much better than they are doing and you should go there. You will win for sure. And, you know, I'm telling him, well, you're saying this because I'm your wife. And he said, no, <laughs> you should try it, you know. And then, you know, it takes, um, just takes one sentence that can change your life forever. So while I was cooking, I was thinking to myself, when it's going to be the right time? When I'm going to do finally what I really want to do? Okay, I'm smart. I know this, you know, I, I have all my degrees, but my heart is somewhere else. This is what I want to do in life. So the following day, I took whatever I cooked in the evening to, to my lab. And my professor, we were working on this very important paper for Nature magazine, which is a very big deal, you know, in the scientific world. And, um, and I come to the lab and the first thing he asked me is like, what do you have in your lunchbox today? And I was looking at him like, are you serious? We're working on this paper for Nature magazine and all your concern is what I have in my lunchbox. So um, he says, no, to tell you the truth, I think you're wasting your time and future here. Wow. It was a very strange thing to say to someone who's a postdoc in your lab working on a paper for Nature, which is, you know, one of the best science magazines. And I said, what do you think I should do? And he said, you totally should, you have to cook. Mm. So that's it. You know, combining what, what happened the night before with my husband and my professor the following day, I decided wow. that I'm going to just, you know, sign up for MasterChef. Then we'll see what happens. If I win, then it's a sign from, I don't know, above <laughs> that yeah. I should leave science. And this is what I did. I put my, I was doing my experiment that day. I put my bacteria into incubation and I went to my bench and I just filled up the form and I applied for MasterChef. And wow. It was in 2014. Uh -huh. And um, uh, I won. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's insane, uh, especially as a, as a story. I mean, because you're one of those rare stories where, and I think this is a, 
I would actually call it an epidemic in, in a sense across society at large. You were being called to cook forever. And you, like you said, it was a childhood thing. Um, and no matter how long, you know, in your parents with their right intentions of wanting to keep you, uh, get, get a good job, make sure you're taken care of, make sure our daughter has what she needs to survive in the world, which is there. But at the same time, it's never, ever going to squash the, the inner call that someone has. And I think there's an epidemic in society where a lot of people uh, will be in a very similar situation and they won't have a supportive spouse. Uh, they won't have supportive um, you know, people around them and they might not ever do it. They might not ever do it. And there's obviously, there's still technically the danger that you might not have. You know, I mean, had he not been watching MasterChef and Maybe he had a bad day. It was like, ah, you're good, but it's not that good. And then the guy comes and, ah, this is not that good. Who knows what would have pushed you towards that and delayed it another 10 years, 20 years. It's like, it's never too late. But uh, I don't think everybody understands that your true happiness, I can only imagine now you must be infinitely more happier than than you were before, right? (laughs) And so... Okay. So you to do, you know, good, whatever I do, it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm doing science or food. Yeah. So actually it's, it's just some people choose sometimes to ignore the signs they get from life. Mm. And I really did not want to reach the point when I'm 60 or 70, if I'll reach 70. So lying on the couch thinking, Oh, but I did all my life what society expected me to do and not what I really wanted to do. Mm. And, you know, we get only one chance and one cycle of life here, I guess. So, so you, we better make the best of it. And happiness is the key. I'm sorry, it sounds like a cliche, but if you're doing what your heart really likes and loves, then everyone who's surrounding you will feel this and you will be a much positive person. Yeah. And uh, you have more influence on the world. I think uh, people that are doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing, uh, number one, it's easier when things get hard uh, because you just don't, you don't mind. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I'll throw a hypothetical question to you. What would have happened if you, if you failed on your first master chef attempt? Wow. Uh, this is a very hard question. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a very stubborn person. So, I mean, <laughs> I would, I would interpret the signs the way I want them. So I would say maybe mm. it's not the right time for me. Maybe I should finish my a nature magazine thingy and mm. then mm. I should apply again. So it's, I don't think that any like, um, if your heart really knows what it's supposed to do, then any negative sign that will come across you, then you will not interpret it as stop trying. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it will be, it, maybe it's not the right timing. Maybe I should wait a little bit. Maybe I should study more, learn more about food and then try. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a huge point because I think, uh, you know, uh, we in our, you know, all of our YouTube channels, we deal with a lot of young a lot of young men, right, who are trying to be better at sports, get faster, get stronger, get better at soccer, you know. And um, part of the things that we convey to them is because they look at the world's biggest stars in any sport, you know, LeBron James, Messi, Ronaldo, whoever it is that they're looking at, and you see the finished product of them winning a World Cup or them 
whatever, running at the Olympics and all this stuff. And you never, ever get to see the amount of times that they missed shots, missed goals, were told that they were bad, told that they were never, ever, ever going to play on this team. You will never do the amount of times that I've seen coaches and people and say things like this person will never hundred percent, never, ever be good at this. Wait a year. You wait two years. Hey, there they are. It's like, what happened? You know, and so that's one of those things in life that uh, it's pretty funny because you, like, you go to school, right? And you, you had a lot of extended schooling and they don't teach you about what it's like across the path of success. Everybody wants it to be easy. You kind of want, you want a little bit of setback and uh, that way you, you get stronger, that way you get focused, that way you get all the qualities and tools that you actually need. Um, but not enough people talk about the fact that if you fail once, it really doesn't mean anything. It means as long as you look at it and, and sp- figure out what you can learn from it, it that, that's the best thing. But it doesn't really mean you shouldn't be uh, a chef. So after you won, what was the next challenge? Like, what did you, what did you start to do? Because you're very busy, I can see. <laughs> you just have to Google your name or YouTube you and we'll see that you've been busy. But what, what was the next uh, mountain to, to climb? Well, after winning MasterChef, you know, during the, the competition itself, it was very important to me coming from an Arabic, uh, Muslim, uh, Palestinian, uh, Israeli background to bring all my, you know, food culture into the, the big screen. So the food that usually was kept hidden in homes because it was considered like... Um, uh, you know, like very simple food with the not so expensive ingredients, which I love this food, by the way. I think, you know, when you talk about soul food in America, you you understand it's it's the tastiest food. It's what I cook today, actually, mac and cheese for my kids. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so it's the tastiest food, I guess. But, you know, the ingredients are very simple and it's usually kept in homes by all the grandmothers, not written, not well documented, because it's like passing, you know, from generation to generation um, orally. So uh, what I did actually is just to take these recipes, first of all, uh, writing them down, uh, trying to, you know, my scientific background, actually my parents were right. Because my scientific background really helped me in, in, in you know, doing all the measurements. And, and being a scientist is very similar to, to being a chef because uh, both personalities needs to be precise and needs to be, you know, very creative and uh, thinking out of the box and making, simplifying things. So, um it was really helpful having my scientific background into taking these recipes and just documenting everything, calculating weights and stuff. Uh, and then teaching, you know, the, the people around. So I teaching in cooking schools and I do private cooking classes. And then I have my Instagram and Facebook where I teach people how to cook Arabic food. And then, um, Taking these recipes and taking this heritage and actually documenting and sharing it with the world was something that was really close to my heart and very important. Sure, sure. And rescuing many recipes that were about to, you know, uh, disappear from this world simply because they contain, you know, like simple ingredients. 
Totally. Tell me, tell me about this. So, Cause that's like something I've never even really heard of the, the idea that certain foods, and I guess it obviously makes sense, but we always, when we talk about things that are going extinct, obviously we talk about animals. That's the first thing that comes to everybody's head. But uh, when you imagine that there are probably things that people can make dishes that people can make and that certain cultures and societies are making that will die off as, as people either don't pass them, you know, to, to, to people. So what, what sort of things are you keeping alive or? Well, they're mostly recipes that, uh, you know, I'm talking about mainly uh, Palestinian recipes because this is the cuisine I grew up on. So they're mainly dishes that contain um, lentils, uh, chickpeas, wheat, very simple, you know, no meat, no nuts, no... Uh, expensive ingredients, very simple recipe. I'll give you an example. For instance, there is a dish called Erkaka Wadas, which is, mm-hmm. I, I, I hopefully, you know, uh, I, I can say it again. It's Erkaka Wadas, which is very simple. It's like, uh, it's very simple to pasta dish because you take the, the, the flour and you, and you make like a dough and then some kind of a noodle and then you cook the wheat uh, sorry, you cook the lentils and then you combine them together. So it's very simple ingredients, a lot of fried onions, olive oil, very tasty dish. But it's it's usually people, you know, used to make this back like 100 years ago or a little bit more. And now people are not making it because it's maybe a lot of effort mm. making the noodles, making the lentils, making everything. And because it is very simple ingredients and people want they want to forget those times when they didn't have money they only had like flour lentils and onions and they don't want to remember those periods and i think remembering those periods is very very important because those periods were the trickiest to cook because you didn't have this beautiful pantry with millions of ingredients you had like 10 ingredients and you had to feed your family for uh, weeks months and be creative with only 10 things yeah and they were much smarter i guess than us so so i take i use that creativity of making something from nothing uh into modern cuisine because it's 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 a very um very good thing or uh, or good base for you to become a better chef if you learn how those people used to cook that's that is a, a principle that i think uh it, it is worth is worth noting that when you have these limits and constrictions on yourself and i, I see that in the way that we produce content uh whereas you know we a lot of our competitors have millions and millions of dollars. These these massive companies, Nike and you know these ProDirect, they have millions of dollars and they have these big studio shoots and stuff. And when we started our channel, you know, we come out with like we have to put a our our, our tripod is like a, a bunch of boxes and broom. We got to figure out how to get this thing to run across. You got strings and tape, and it's a disaster. But what comes out of it is a million times more creative when you can solve issues with money and more options and this and this and that. So I can completely see the same thing happening with if you say, hey, you got to make me an amazing dish. Actually, as a matter of fact, you need to make three different meals. You only have three ingredients. I need you to make me something. And how that 
really forces you to be, you know, uh, creative. And so that's what leads me to my next question, which is going to be, I mean, I can cook. I like to consider myself, and I, I'm not going to dare call myself a chef in front of a master chef, but uh, I, I like to, I like to cook and I, and I enjoy it, but there's always something that you can learn. You given, given the level that you've achieved now as a chef, if you had to give us normies advice on three to five things that would make us a better cook, could you, could you somewhat generalize those into, into simple points for us? Three, four, five. Sure. I mean, if you have more, listen, I'm all about becoming the next greatest. You can teach me how to win Master Chef. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'll tell you something. My first advice, and I, I, I really honestly believe in this, and it's not something, you know, new to anyone, but it, would meet my, it is the point that leads my cooking eh, for years is first of all to, to use good product, like High quality products are the most important thing to get good results at the end because you can be an amazing chef, but if you have poor quality fish or poor quality meat, then the re the end result will not be uh, you know as good. And I'm not saying uh, you know you need this expensive cuts. Okay, no. I'm saying it's just the quality, the freshness of the vegetables. It doesn't matter if it's like a, an expensive vegetables or a very simple, very um, a low cost vegetable. The, 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 the quality, the freshness of the ingredients is one, the most important thing to get really good results. The second thing is just don't be afraid. Some people, I see them when they enter the, the, the kitchen, they're like panicking. So, I, and I can't understand this because being a scientist, you know, uh, we used to fail. We are used to fail because we do like 10,000 experiments until this one experiment works, okay? So, so don't be afraid and, and you're allowed to fail and it's okay. The biggest scientist in the world they failed so many times and then, you know, this one time they did it and it was perfect and it changed our lives. So um, don't panic, just go and, you know, if it turns out good, then fine. If it doesn't and it's not edible, just put it in the garbage. It's okay. And try again. Right. So, it, so it's very important. Um, for me, uh, I think that having um i don't believe in in you know ha having a good spices pantry is very important in your uh, house because b even making like simple thing like uh, i don't know boiled potato and then you put the right spices then you can make it something dreamy so mm. having spices and fresh spices and try to grind your own spices immediately before use it's better than buying those that are already ground, you know, like from last year or two years before, because they're not fresh. Mm. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> those are inc incredibly important just, just due to the fact that yeah. we start from such a, with the amount of information about things 
that are out there. It's always interesting to hear from people that are at you know the at the top of their their game what they think about and how a lot of times the things that they actually say are very simple uh, and they're like it's the technical simple parts, not necessarily the complex things that are going to make something you know exquisite. And uh, with that being said, do you have a absolute favorite dish? Is that possible to have a favorite? Oh my god! <laughs> no, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> I, I, I mean, oh, it's very hard for me even to answer a more general question like, "What is your favorite cuisine?" Mm. Because you know, obviously, the cuisine I was raised on is my favorite. But then, you know, there are a few other favorite cuisines. And a few dishes that I love. So, I mean, I can't answer this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like asking me which one of my kids I love more. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? It's funny. And I only ask this question because I get the same question all the time. People will ask me, who's your favorite soccer player? I'm like, how many soccer players? I grew up watching all these people and there's always a new thing to learn and always a new star to do this and that. I'm like, who are then they'll ask, who's your, favorite, who's your favorite team? You know how many different teams my favorite players have played on and all this? I can't, you know, apart from, okay, where I grew up, I can tell you, you know, my, the team for my hometown is I got to play for them. That's, a, that's something as a, of a favorite, but that doesn't really count. So, yeah, it's kind of funny because they, I get the same exact general question and I never know how to really answer it. It's always, it's always uh, you know, uh, completely... I always end up being frustrated by the answer that I give. But uh, going on from that, I've seen also a lot of in, in your videos, obviously, because of where, you've grew, where you grew up and the type of food that you cook. Tell me a little bit more about the, the, the obviously, the, the conflict between Israel and Palestine. I've seen some of the things that you've touched on and what you've wanted to do with food. Uh, and, you know, to open and break down barriers and get conversation started and kind of how food has this general, and I've seen a lot of guys that have had, we had a, a guy who's just been to about 100 countries. And one of the things that he did is that he, he started, it was just travel, and then food had to be a part of it, because how can you keep food out of the travel aspect of things? And it was that, so that was also a way for him to tell a story. And so I'm curious, uh, and I've seen you touch on it, but between the whole conflict and the things that are, that are going on, how, how has what you've done how does that play a role? How does food play a role essentially in this conflict uh, and things going on? And how do you see that? Wow, you touched such a complicated <laughs> issue and question. It's it's way more complicated than I can explain it. Uh, you know, because you have to live it so so you can understand it better. But but I want to tell you that. Yesterday I was watching, uh, okay, let's go from there. Yesterday I was watching Netflix and I was uh, watching this new series about Americans' um, street food. Mm. And the, the, the series was very interesting because they were talking to basically immigrants and how immigrants and how, you know, different layers of the American society built up their... Uh, you know, place and reputation because of food. They are one of the characters actually said, we are seen through food, okay? Which is a very strong saying. 
And food was always a very, in any country, in any place, is, is the best tool to, to be seen, best tool to bring people together. It has such a, actually, this is what made me fall in love with the whole concept of making food is, is how much my grandmothers possessed power because they were the people who cooked. Mm. The power that comes with, with you feeding people, it's not like a negative power. It's not power over control. No, no, of course control. not. Yeah. It's just, uh, give me a better word than power because I don't feel comfortable. It is power. It is power. It's essence. It's essence. And, and there's a way of transferring love, care, uh, creativity and all this stuff that comes within food. And, and it's, it's funny because people will, uh, we will, in our current society, we will belittle a lot of the, 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 what we want to call small things, right? Everybody eats every day. A lot of people just shove the food in their mouth and they get back to doing what they're doing. And when you stop to have a good meal, like you said, with someone who's decided to find the best ingredients, to find the best ways to cook it and to do all this stuff, there is, that is an essence. There's, there's a transfer of power. Uh, and that comes from care. I think that really comes from thought energy and, and that sort of push. So I'm right there with you. I completely understand what you're, what you mean, but go ahead. So, so, so the food, the food can really help you. We're living in a, in a very crazy situation here. Very, you said conflict, but conflict is something it's not a, a very, I know that many people refer to it as a conflict, but actually, you know, there is a lot of moments that there is no conflict because we're just living the everyday life mm. um, and life is, is much stronger. And sometimes, yes, you feel the conflict, you feel the, the, the um, politics, you feel the, um, oh, uh, I, I can't find the words to the issues. Yeah, this. definitely. Like, I know what you mean. Food yeah. somehow is is above all this. It's above all this and it is actually the best way to ignore all this because of the power that it possesses on people. The the same example I can give you is when my I don't know, my grandmother is really angry at me or at my mother but then she cooks something and we go like you know walking to her like please i'm sorry <laughs> just give me some, some of this so yeah same with food is somehow if you're smart enough to take this food and not just shove it in your mouth like you said or just to stop and you know feel it feel all the dimensions that it has then you can convey a lot of messages to the person that sits, it's, that sits next to you that you're feeding. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that I, I was trying deliberately or not deliberately. I'm, I'm not sure. It's maybe it's my subconscious, but then I'm, for me, food was always a way to, to bind people just like my grandmother, to bring people together. Mm. Uh, and yeah, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm telling you what I do, I feel that it has a lot of positive impact on people surrounding me. It doesn't matter if they're Israelis or Palestinians. They're all liking what I do mm. from different maybe perspectives, but they all 
love what I'm doing. Sure. And they can find somehow themselves in these. Yeah. Recipes. And I mean, yeah, just the, I mean, obviously it's been, it's a, it's an old cliche that, and obviously you, and I'm not sure if this is a project, but you have a project called, is it called Breaking Bread? Yeah, it's a movie. It's a documentary mm. movie that okay. um, th there was a festival that I used to have in Haifa City, which is an Arabic food festival where uh, Jewish and Arab chefs collaborated into uh, in this festival to make um, Arabic dishes. And um, this documentary was showing exactly, you know, the, the, the real everyday life because people go to restaurants, eat, cook together. All the, the kitchens here are mixed between uh, Jewish and Arab chefs. And, and, you know, everyday life, this is what I say, everyday life is, is much stronger than, you know, keeping ourselves in the conflict idea. Sure. Yeah. And I, I saw a trailer from the documentary where one of the guys mentioned that it's essentially uh not the everyday person who has this issue with the other whether they're palestinian or or jewish they're they're not there's a small portion whether they're people in power or whether they're extremists to a certain extent that have ulterior motives or reason for wanting to control or to sorry to continue uh the the issues that could be exploited on on both sides the other large majority of people like you said just they they work together they eat together. They wanna. They wanna enjoy life together. They don't have any. They don't have any issues like that. Whether their religion or intellectually, if they have any issues or whatever it is. And so, you know, I found that really interesting because, especially as an outsider, someone who's obviously I've obviously been there, and that was an eye opener to me just to know that uh, there's there's Arab neighborhoods in in Israel. There's uh, you know there's Jews living in this, so there's a whole mix. I didn't understand the diversity that was actually happening there because obviously on the outside, all you hear is a CNN or a Fox News headline and title, like you said, that, that has put people on one side and the other people on the other side, right? It's a, a simplistic way to view the world and that's all we're kind of force-fed unless you do your own digging. Um, well, who wants so to hear positive news? <laughs> this is, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should start... Yeah. Our own channel of positive news. Hey, that's a great idea. That's actually a great idea because I tell you what, as much as as much as we joke, I bet you everybody would start to turn to that. I mean, it is a weird thing, right? That we live in the we live in the world where I, I honestly just the other day saw like I was I was uh, going to name something. We have some stuff on on TikTok, and I went to Snapchat to to go repost the thing. And on the front page of there is the news, like the daily news, I think from the UK. Uh, everything was negative. It's as if the whole, it, at every moment on the news, it's as if the world is literally ending. It's the apocalypse. It must be the end of the world. And, and there's no positive news. And if there was a news station, I mean, we joke, but it'd be funny because like, yes, there are negative things happening in the world and there are positive things, but the overwhelming majority of earth is clearly positive. It is clearly, I understand there are issues, I'm but it is overwhelmingly positive on earth uh despite any of the issues it's just uh the the negative stuff does get a lot of a lot of attention um do you do you have a, your own restaurant or restaurants or is that a plan or do you 
No, is that I something don't. That's and I'm really happy that I don't for now. I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of offers of uh, opening my own restaurant, but then, um, mm. you know, I, I consider myself very young because although I'm, I'm 40, um, I'm in the field of cooking now seven years. And um, I really want to try to make best of this time and not to commit into one thing only, because as, as you know, opening a restaurant is something that you, it's like marriage. You have to be there all the time in order to make it successful and you can't do any other things. It's, it's your only project. And for now, for me, I don't think that it's the right timing. I mean, yes, I, I, I would love to have a restaurant one day, but I think I would pass on it for now because there are other things that I think that I want to do now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I'm, I'm curious also, what do you think of these well-known super chef type things. What does somebody from your position, like think of somebody like Gordon Ramsay or I don't know, who's that, Jamie Oliver? These are the UK guys. I can't even name yeah. other, some, of, some of the other famous ones. But, but what, do you, what do you think of those, those people? As a, and, and are they, I yeah, actually have a lot of questions on the, in the chef world, but what do you think of those people? First, I'll just start there. First of all, I admire both of them and any other celebrity chef that there is in the world because I think these people made a very big change in the um, how people perceive chefs in the world. I mean, from being a chef, which is like, uh, you know, some kind of a job that people do, they turned it into like a celebrity thing. I, I don't think that Gordon Ramsay is any less, you know, famous or, you know, uh, people admire him less than, you know, people who admire Beyonce. So like making, uh, being a musician or being a chef is almost, has the same weight now, which is amazing. And so they made, People like me, when they leave, you know, the scientific world and go into the, the, the cooking world, it's not so crazy because, you know, you can reach very high uh, achievements if you become a chef. So mm-hmm. I admire them and I hope to meet them one day. So if they hear us. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Collab. All right. You listen, if I... If I if I am somehow involved in in getting you guys to meet, uh, just as long as I can eat, for I'm I'm crazy about food too. It's funny as an athlete, uh, I will end some of our videos because when we when we shoot videos, we'll do a lot of them uh, because I I have to train and have to do stuff. We'll, so we'll shoot on like a a one one day we'll shoot a lot of videos, and during that time, I might not eat for a long period of time. So it's really funny on a lot of the videos at the very end of a lot of them. I'm like, all right, guys, I got to I, I have to go eat. Or what did you eat? I'm always talking about food. It's really funny. What is probably... your favorite food? Oof. You have to give me well, you know what? maybe a category. I can probably I give you I give I have to, I have to give you a few because it's, it's just impossible. So I my, my father's from Nigeria. Uh, he cooks Nigerian 
food. Wow. It's absolutely unbelievable. And I love it. Uh, and I would say... Fufu Nigerian, right? Fufu? Fufu is Nigerian. Yeah. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. I mean, every culture has such a rich, yeah. you know, when you really get deep into it, there's obviously so much you can get into. And uh, Nigerian, I would say Italian food makes makes a whole lot of sense. I love a lot of the sauces, a lot of stuff. I have a really interesting connection with, with Italy. And uh, I, I learned Italian. I've only spent a week in Italy, uh, but I just have this really deep connection with with uh, the country and the culture and stuff like that, then I would definitely say uh, uh, on the Asian food side, Thai food is, I mean, I have once traveled to another country just to go get Thai food on a day. Traveled, uh, we, we drove for hours, uh, a friend, uh, friend of mine, just to go get Thai food because they didn't have, and we just were craving it because we hadn't had it for, for months. So I would probably say those three are, are where you would find my, my more or less favorites, but that's, it's not, uh, I'll eat, I'll eat almost anything. I'll try almost anything now at this point. So. Wow. Thai food is actually also my favorite. I mean, if I had to choose then, you know, my Arabic uh, culture, cuisine, and then, you know, Thai food, I am crazy. It's so good. So good. good. Uh, Especially also because it's so, it's so cheap, especially, I mean, I don't know if, have you been to Thailand? Not yet, because I, 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 and now we're coming to talk about uh, <laughs> the thing that I can't stand long distance flights. Oh, no. And okay. I'm waiting for humans to, to finally find a solution how we can travel from Israel to Thailand <laughs> in two hours. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we have another podcast where we, con- we constantly are pushing the uh, aviation industry to allow some of what would be, I think that they actually have the way to do that. It's tied up in what would be military applications, the, those sort of propulsion systems and things that could actually get you from there to there. They're tied up in the military. So we don't get, we don't get them as average citizens. So we don't get to travel from like New York to London or something like this in, in, a, in an hour. Uh, but the, the fact that you can't travel on long flights, I just talked to somebody about that and they had to take a boat uh, across the Atlanta. I don't know if they did it as a cruise, like around, they had to stop. I don't know if they went to South America and then from South America to somewhere else and then to Europe. Uh, so have you never flown or? No, I fly a lot, but like, you know, I went to Japan. I can say I went to Japan, which is like the farthest thing. But I, I don't want to share with you how, how I went to Japan and how many pills I took <laughs> to get to Japan. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. okay. it's Very like, good. you know, I get really bored and then I, you know, I get really nervous and I just want to, mm. you know, I'm, I'm a very energetic person and, and sitting still in your seat for like 13 hours is just not my thing. I know. I know. I mean, I've done those flights too. I've done South Korea twice and I've done Japan and they were, you know, 13, 16 hours. One of them was, and it's just like, whoa, yeah. this is crazy. It's crazy. And then the jet lag on one of them had me making one of the times when I came back from South Korea, uh, I came back, I flew back to Kansas city and instead of readjusting myself, I just said, screw it. I'm not doing it. And so at like three in the morning, I would be making dinner, you know, 
And for the first like two or three days, I just didn't, I just did not care about that. I'm going to sleep in the daytime. I don't care. I'm tired. And I would just get up in the middle of the night, uh, which was day for me. And I would make food and live my life until I finally had to convert back to, you know, proper, you know, the proper circadian rhythm. But uh, what about for, I, I have a question that's actually dealing with how you get better because you, you took all this time, you did all this studying within your, your science, uh, the, uh, the arena of science. And now as a chef, how do you actually get better? Like, how do you push yourself to make sure that you're not just making the same old dishes and trying to do this? Like, how, how does a chef actually improve? Because you can never stop learning, right? I think different chefs improve differently. So I'm going to tell you how I improve myself. Mm. Because for me, uh, you know, um, learning everything, it doesn't matter if it's coming from my cuisine or from any other cuisine is an inspiration and it's the way how you uh, become more creative. And I mean, you can learn basically from any culture, from any person, from any place in the world. Some people would say, ah, if you want to get better, you have to go to France and, you know, learn from there. But I'm saying, well, you know, for me, learning also from a, a grandmother in Kenya was very, you know, crazy for me because I learned so many things that different techniques, they're all techniques. It doesn't matter if it's coming from Kenya or from France or, you know, and they all have some way to inspire me into improving my cooking. So uh, for me, the most important thing is to remember that I can learn from anyone. And I don't need like these fancy chefs, you know, in France, like I would love to go there. But I mean, <laughs> they're not the only people who can inspire me and teach me stuff. Because this grandmother, like I said, in Kenya inspired me and the other grandmother in Japan in some small village inspired me. So really, it's it's a combination of people and different classes and I love home cooking. I love uh, learning from uh, all the, you know, people because they actually uh, cook in a very relaxed way that makes food taste very good. Because I remember my grandmother, when she used to cook, mm. she was never in a hurry. If she was in a hurry, then she wouldn't cook. Mm. Because cooking, she said, it's like a process and food feels you food feels you and if you're in a hurry and you're just dumping things into the pot it will not be tasty go don't cook but if you're coming and you're entering the kitchen come with a lot of thought and a lot of a uh, you know be relaxed uh, so actually i'm inspired from this philosophy from books a lot of history a lot of you know different books it can be stories that were written in the 10th century that can inspire me. And then, you know, like um, TV shows, everywhere you can find inspiration. It's just a matter of opening your eyes because I'm sure maybe you can relate to what, what I'm saying because sometimes if you watch little kids play football, maybe in the neighborhood, you can find a lot of inspiration, right? 
It's exactly that. I mean, it's something that, as a matter of fact, this is the reason why uh, we have this podcast. And it's the reason why I seek out people like you. Uh, there's the general consensus, of course, that an athlete is dumb, uh, doesn't really care about the world, uh, doesn't have to care about the world because, you know, they're, they're good at a sport. And I've always been completely and incredibly curious about the world, about other cultures, about uh, what I can learn from virtually everyone. I agree with you uh, on that statement as, as well. If you're not looking at someone else, regardless of where their IQ is, how they see the world is, is, a, is a little glimpse for you uh, into a different perspective that can give you, you know, a new outlook. And so, yeah, it's like you can see some stuff. And I would coach camps and you see some kids who just, they go for things. Uh, they don't have any abandon, this no fear type of thing. And it's like when you can bring that to your own game or to your life, you've got a whole different, you've got a whole different world, uh, you know? And, and so it's that mentality that actually uh, I'm also curious about when you are winning something like Master Chef, because uh, tell me what it's like to actually have that to have that mentality, there has to be a certain level of focus, right? It's rare uh, that in your profession, to a certain extent, that you're competing. Um, and so how did that change you? How did you keep your focus there? How did you, how do you approach a meal when you're trying to win? Like, what is the difference there? Or did you even just not even think about it? No, come on. I am, a, I, how do you say it? A geek? <laughs> so okay. we don't do these things you know we study we study a lot so you know I mm. maybe I'm a chef but I'm a former scientist so um, there you go we study for everything and it's like you you practice for everything right so for me going to master chef was very simple because I went and I watched all seasons okay then I tried to find the pattern it's, it's very similar to football because you analyze uh, the episodes and then you say, okay, in every season, there is like a dish that is, uh, you learn from either your mother or grandmother, it doesn't matter, you know, but someone from your family. So, so it's like a mission that, that you see every, like every episode, every season, every uh, every year, it's just repeating, repeating itself in a different definition. So I said, okay, this is one. And then I watched more. And then I saw like something that has to do with the fish, you know, some kind of, doesn't matter, you know, the precise um, definition of, of, the, of the chapter or of the episode. But then, you know, you know that you will have something to do with fish. So I opened my computer and my Excel sheets like a perfect scientist and I started writing. <laughs> wow. Okay, so what if they give us, you know, uh, a dish that has fish in it and I have to prepare it in 30 minutes, then what I would cook. And then what would I do? Like I started wow. creating this hypothetical, uh, you know, they're based on a survey I made on you know former seasons but then i had to be also creative and hypothesize like what what would they do and uh, what things they can make us you know a uh, cook there and then i made charts of uh, what ingredients go with what ingredients so like 
potatoes go well with this, but they don't go well with this. So I can memorize everything. And then I memorize the ratios of different doughs. Like uh, there is like <laughs> the ratio of water and flour and, uh, you know, uh, fat in, in different doughs. Wow. And actually, yeah, I made a lot of homework, but it's something that I like because I'm a scientist and I memorized everything to minimize the risk when I go there because I really wanted to win and I wanted to minimize the risk. So, you know, you practice before a game. It's the same like me. You know, I went and I knew that I'm not good in, in fish dishes. So the first thing I did was going to Faradis, which is a, a town up north by the sea. And I bought like a box filled with fish. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, I put the box in my kitchen. And I said, no, you have to learn how to make perfect fillets from, a sh uh, from fish. So the first fish, you know, the first fillet was looking... <laughs> Okay, I, I won't describe it even. The second one also, the third one. And then, you know, when I, I reached the 10th one, okay, I, I got improved, uh, improved and I got better fillets. And, you know, my family suffered because for a whole month they had to eat fish because someone had to eat all those filleted fish in my, in my uh, freezer. But, you know, I faced my weaknesses. Uh, and I know that I'm weak in, in fish, so it's not that I'm going to, you know, hide my head in the sand and think, okay, they will not, I'm sure they will not have, you know, anything to do with fish and we'll leave it to later. No, I said, okay, I have a problem here and I'm facing this problem by buying this fish, going home and practice, 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 practice until everything is perfect. And guess what? In the finale... We had to fillet a fish. No way. And cook something. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> and I did it like a pro, you know, nobody knew like three months ago, <laughs> I didn't know how to fillet a fish. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Those are the stories. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. That is that stuff that is so interesting because you had a choice really. Uh, and I actually feel pretty dumb and naive to think that, uh, just because you're a chef, you can't prepare for, especially also prepare for something like MasterChef, where they're going to throw all sorts of things at you. Uh, and, but it's, it's one of those cool things where you just, you, and I've talked about this. It's funny because I, I mentioned it a lot, but I go back to it a lot. We had a grandmaster, a chess grandmaster on, and we talked about the fact that deep analytical thinking, it isn't really the norm, Right. And what you did in order to apply, in order to make sure you said, I wanted to win. So you actually had a good look at yourself and were like, you know very well that uh, you can't cook that fish all that, all that well. And you just said, all right, well, what do I do about that? You go and you actually execute a plan to do it. And like you said, you failed consistently in the first few, few times before you actually got there. That, that, just that theory, that principle, that, that, the fact that that is true that you can start with something that you're definitely not good at for whatever reason. And if you just have the determination to say, you know what, I got to do this, you know, and I'm going to do it regardless of if I fail. And so it, it, if we, if we take things full circle and I asked you, 
what would have happened if you failed MasterChef? I'm pretty sure the answer is you would have been back and you would have eventually won MasterChef uh, because someone with that sort of mentality and someone with that, that, that mindset of winning and that isn't bothered by failure, like what you learned by becoming a scientist, is just not going to give up. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if it's possible for you to give up and quit on dream people that actually take action steps towards their dreams. I don't think it's possible for, for them to truly quit. They get sidetracked. They might get setbacks, but I don't think they quit. Uh, and so I, I find that really, really, really interesting. Uh, what do you have, what do you have coming up though? Uh, as, as far as projects and stuff like that, as we come here to, to an end, what's, what's the next few things for you? Well, there is a very cool project I will start very soon. I really can talk about it, but okay. it's, it's you and um, Gordon Ramsay and Jimmy <laughs> Oliver maybe. cooking food for footballers. <laughs> yeah. For me. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, well, but, but it's going to be like, I'm working on taking my career from, uh, you know, my country into the world somehow and doing it in english so i'm I'm really excited for that and uh the other things you know the the, the i have the normal dreams you know becoming a ballerina and a top model like everyone else <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah we'll link to to everything obviously here that uh we've seen or that i've already already seen uh are you, you said you do classes and stuff like this. You yeah, do all well, that. Oh. I do now. I, I teach cooking classes for professionals, like people who want to become chefs uh, in, in a cooking school in Tel Aviv. And then I go and wow. I give the private cooking classes and I do catering, which is like the alternative of having a restaurant, but without actually being in a certain place all the time. Sure. Um, and this is basically, you know, and I'm posting recipes, continuing to share, you know, beautiful uh, recipes from my uh, background, my heritage. And <laughs> I'm basically just having a great time and I'm so happy for this change. And I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, sometimes things happen for a reason. And this is like before we finish very important for me to say that many people ask me if I would have done it, you know, other way, if I would have, you know, if my parents agreed when I was 18, that this is what I want to do and become that. And I say, I don't want to change anything in the, you know, my path and the things that I went through uh, during life and me becoming a scientist and then, you know, leaving that and going to food is actually what made me a better chef. And I think it's influenced me so much in life. And it made me uh, look at recipes and food in a very complex way that, you know, I don't think that I would have had been better chef if I went straight, you know, the, the classical way of finishing high school and going, you know, directly for, uh, you know, uh, becoming a chef. I think uh, being a scientist really helps you in 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 seeing um, the complexity and of food and the dimensions it has, 
And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, of all the failures that happened in life, because they actually, actually shaped who I am today. And I'm really great for that. That's, uh, that's, it couldn't be more well said. I, I definitely have the same. And you never really know what, what's happening and why you failed at this one. But as long as you have that sort of look and that outlook on that, you can learn something from it, that it's going to bring you some sort of structure, uh, strength, uh, new skill, all that stuff. That sort of mentality is the same type of stuff that we try to get across to all the guys that are trying to learn stuff, whether that's in the football or the athletic you know, world or just trying to do stuff. you know in their lives. So really, really cool. We will link to everything here. Thank you uh, a whole ton uh, for, for being here. And uh, we'll, I'll have to get over there sometime to, to try some food. I really you mean that too. I might, I might just show up. Okay. No, you're not scaring me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll be right outside your door with, you know, this massive bowl being like, I'm ready. Just, you know, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy like that, but yeah, thanks a lot. And, uh, we appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll do this again sometime. Hopefully. Thank you. Good luck.